No, I'm 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 good. Oh, okay. All right. Good. Great. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully they can um, only cancel one of us. Um. Hopefully. <laughs> Please so, don't cancel us. We have so few listeners to begin with. Uh. <laughs> uh. So. Let's see. We had Tano Boys. We had Pedro Boys Probably Presents Mudhorn Rakers. Uh, we have covered Episode 9. We covered Resistance. We covered Mandalorian. We covered the last season of Clone Wars. We covered Galaxy's the- Edge. We co- covered yep. Celebration yep. Orlando, Celebration Chicago. Mm-hmm. We've gone through the under deep underbelly of star wars to get you the hottest of takes yes and now with the next slice of sweet sweet star wars content coming down the pike not getting here till october we ask ourselves what are we to do but uh as our one or two eager listeners might have noticed every time we end up talking about the finale of something at the end of the episode, Pete tries to say, and then we're going to talk about, like, as a whole recap of the whole thing next week. And then after we're recording, I always tell him, that's not what we're doing. We have to talk about this now. And so while we've covered, we did our initial reactions to episode nine, but we never really Under promise, up on that. never deliver. That's right. We covered, Until now. We covered every episode of star wars resistance but we never actually sat down to talk about the whole show once it was over i think right we didn't right now mandalorian same thing talk about all the episodes never actually sat down to talk about season one never actually sat down to talk about the end of the season seven of clone wars so josh if i uh, josh i think what we've done is the extent of our recaps have been did you like it uh yeah. uh yeah. yeah i think i liked it cool cool yeah. cool all right move on Pretty much. So we have we're very we're very particular boys. Very good fine motor skills, which you wouldn't think because of our big. Some muscles. people, some people, what they do when they buy like shirts, they're like, "I'll have a large, I'll have a medium, I'll have a small." But Josh and I, we're so particular, we measure our chisel necks, mm-hmm. we measure the pecs because. We are swole boys. We work out a lot. We have a workout mm-hmm. routine. Mm-hmm. And we have to literally plan meticulously um, chiseled ab by chiseled ab. And we do that in every facet of our life, just like this podcast. Right. Which is to say, we spend a lot of time getting into the nitty gritty of individual episodes, but we haven't really uh, stopped or had the time to stop and take a more macro view of these things. So. All throughout the month of July, since there's no new stuff coming in, we're finally going to take that moment, pause, and look back on the the big Star Wars things that that culminated in uh, in in the last year or so. Uh, you you and, can and tell talk about them in a macro scale. Talk about the whole thing. 
you can tell there's no news because the only thing that's on my YouTube feed is like these mashups of people being like, here's the trailer for Obi-Wan Kenobi show. And it's just like every scene of Ewan McGregor ever in the desert from his like, well, he did did a movie where he played Jesus in the desert. Right. 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 So so, yeah, they just, it's just some splicing the heck out of, a guy I work with, and he was like, "No, I seen it. I seen the trailer. Like the trailer's out." I'm like, "No, calm down. Which of us would know? Think about this. Which of two of us? I mean, I didn't say that, but yeah, yeah. They got a lot of they got a lot of fan made trailers out there. I mean, more power to them, I guess. But like, you know, why are you trying to fool people? Uh, all this is to say, recap Rama in July, folks. Recap in July." And I think Recaparama. Our, that's five weeks in July. That's five things to recap. Don't worry about what it. What did we uh, watch? We're going to take it in the order in which they occurred. And the first thing that sort of wrapped up was, uh, well, episode nine came out. And so we did a two-part episode. It's a single episode split in two where we talked about episode nine the day before it came out. We talked about episode nine uh, the night it came out, like after we saw it. We did kind of a That was, oh, after. yeah. Because that was uh, that 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 movie came out on like a Thursday, right? And we both no, you took off, but I was working the next day, and we did uh, like an episode. We recorded an episode of like one at night, mm-hmm. and we released it the next day. And so we, and then I've you know we've both said stuff about the movie since then, but uh, as connected to other stuff you know it was you know okay before we talk about the mandalorian before we talk about star wars resistance let's update each other on how we're feeling about this but we haven't actually sat down well we did we did we did two things we did um as we were watching it um in the month of january so like you only saw it three times and then i saw it theater twice okay and then i saw it six times or five times in theater and then i've only seen it um, once or twice um, since it's been on Disney Plus. So, um, yeah, I, I saw it twice in theaters, and then at the start of, of being quarantined, not at the start, but as soon as it came out on Blu-ray, being quarantined as we were, I set out to watch the movie once a week for just the duration of quarantine. Uh, I got through six weeks of that. So I saw it twice in theaters, and then I saw it once a week for six weeks. Uh, and then I have not watched it since to include for this. Um, I have a, a, uh, I'll put forward a proposal for the, the moving forward with this episode. I did write a brief review on Letterboxd for each of my viewings that I think will have to maybe substitute for my notes that I didn't take. Um, okay. Yeah, I have not, I, for, for 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 those that are just listening because they love episode nine hey i'm pete um for me i consume media like nobody i've ever met <laughs> oh you said it you said it oh, um, crap! <laughs> um i'm a person that can consu- once i consume a movie um i view it like a buffet where I don't want to watch the whole thing over again. Right. So I, right. I just watch parts that I like or dislike. So like the Canto bite to stuff. Entire series of television. We just rewatch lost and I'll just skip fla- the flashbacks. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I finished um, Orange is the New Black, which the, it, the whole series revolves around these women in prison, and it shows each one's a flashback for how that woman got in prison, and mm-hmm. I skipped all of the flashbacks, and my sister was like, why? And I'm like, I, they're in prison, all right? I don't even know how they got there. Like, I care about their lives in the prison. Um, yeah, so for me, I there's just certain parts of episode nine that I rewatched to get to this point. Um, which makes it a lot easier for me to love movies and it makes it really hard for me to hate movies, um, such as Artemis Fowl. Um, (laughs) but we're not going to get into that. Sure. Well, I think, I think just touching on these write-ups will will maybe serve as a jumping off point because for instance, actually, actually. All right. So with Artemis Fowl, um, when people like, what was it 2014 and everybody's like disney's gonna ruin star wars oh look at all this stuff they're gonna do and they're just gonna destroy everything relax okay um they didn't i really enjoyed episode seven through nine however if you were like that for artemis fowl and you found out oh no disney bought the rights to artemis fowl you were right you should have been concerned the entire time and that movie was bad there's no coming back from it. And sorry, Josh, you were saying something. Uh, yeah, I was going to say I saw you saw my spy. Yeah, I got made fun of a lot for watching my spy. Really? Yeah. Batista. That's what I said. Um, but my 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 family was like, is that a kid's movie? And I'm like, no, it's not. And then, you know, the whole the whole movie is like this girl tricking Batista into like being her dad or something. So it's it's definitely a kid's movie, but, um, I just said it wasn't so that they wouldn't make fun of me. And then they ended up making fun of me. Dave Batista. I mean, he's, he is a, a, a a great actor. Um, does he have range? Um, yes, he does have range. I would say so. I, I think, he he can do like deadpan comedy obviously brilliantly but i also think if you look at like a small role like he had in blade runner 2049 he's able to portray like a quiet reserved sadness very well also i on i don't remember him in in that movie i'll have to yeah, he's check in the that very out beginning. um but he's i mean i think it's i think it's fair to say that he can carry a movie for for sure mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he you know the only other person in that movie was Kristen shawl of bob's burgers fame and she he was fine in it right yeah he's in it for a little bit but the, okay. like she she's the supporting cast like she mm-hmm. it's 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 her than the family that they're um helping out or whatever did you see stuber did I see Stuber? I love Stuber. I was one okay, I saw this on HBO Go, I think. And I love Kumail Nanjani and I love Dave Batista, but I guess I was scared away by the middling reviews, but the trailer was hilarious. Um it's one of those movies that I wish it had premiered during quarantine, like My mm. Spy, like I was fine watching My Spy just because it was something to do. If I had paid to like go see it in theaters, I would have probably been disappointed. Mm-hmm. And I view Stuber that way. But oh, with your with your movie subscription card. Yeah. 
So we're getting into episode nine. I honestly was going to see how long I could draw out just talking about David <laughs> <laughs> Well, so listeners, Peter here um, of Poboy fame, we typically have news, but there's just nothing um, that we're really paying attention to. I'm sure there's yeah, news I mean, out there. Star Celebration was canceled. Squadrons, the game was announced. I think they released the first chapter of that High Republic book. I didn't read it, but I mean, yeah, there's not there's not a lot of uh, oh, news Alphabet Squadron. That sequel book came out. Oh, uh, did it? You read the? Are you gonna read the sequel? I already. Yeah, I um, I was on my iBooks because um, I was buying some criminal justice reform books. Get woke and. <laughs> I saw on what suggestion. What was that thing you were doing at the front of the podcast again? <laughs> um, people are layered, Josh. Okay, like you better hope. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was on my like recommended. Like, hey, there's this Star Wars book, and I'm like, there's a Star Wars book out. Um, I haven't, I've haven't gotten around to reading it, but um, the fact that squadrons as a video game just has me even more hyped up for it because it's like perfect dlc and all of them are different crafts so it'd be like really easy for them to be included into it oh i see what you're saying Mm -hmm. so so stars episode nine i didn't go back and listen to our episode stars episode nine but i know that it would be hard for me to listen to because I know that it will just be a half hour of me sort of shyly trying to talk myself into having liked it. And I remember coming out of the theater, one of my hot takes being, maybe Stars isn't supposed to be that good. And that the problem, and I, I like Last Jedi, but that like the thing that people got hung up on with Last Jedi was that cinematically, you know, as a film, not as a Star Wars movie, as a film, it was like maybe more highbrow than Star Wars should be. And Rise of Skywalker was not that. And I remember thinking like, no, it's not It's not supposed to actually be meticulous. It's supposed to be like maybe fun and kind of sloppy and almost a little bad. Yeah. And I definitely also remember saying, I thought if Ray was Palpatine, it would make me very mad, and it it didn't make me as mad as I thought, but then cut to 12 hours after we recorded that episode, and I was furious. So my, my first review that I wrote of Rise of Skywalker, um, December 19th, 2019, well, I seen it. Well, I remember the first sign that I saw of you not being as on board is when you pointed out a deep cut from the epi- from the last Jedi's um, commentary cast where Ryan Johnson's like, the door is an X-wing. And then, oh, yeah, he, no, the door. to Yeah. It's in the visual yeah. dictionary as well. And yeah. they found the, <laughs> yeah, the visual dictionary. And I'm not that guy. Like I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not beholden to Canon and like that, you know, if, it, if it's going to benefit the story, Break can all you want. I just want a good story, but yeah, I I could not help it. Well, that was the first that was the first sign for me. I was like, oh, okay, Josh, like <laughs> upset yeah, about Ryan Johnson, upset about Ryan Johnson's commentary cast, where he's like, oh, by the way, that's that's an X-wing door. No, I wasn't upset about that. I was upset that they just disregarded it. But 
But that's a good point. I mean, if if, if a movie has truly blown away and, and left you enraptured, you don't think of that kind of stuff until later viewings. Um, I watched it again the very next day in the morning. Uh, and I wrote, well, the first time I seen this movie, the person in front of me kept hitting my knees with their seat. And this time, nobody was sitting in front of me. And leaving that viewing, uh, I, re- I really walked out of it, like, kind of mad. And as mm-hmm. I reiterate, I, I talked about this on the podcast, but I, I had that Friday off. I went to the movie in the morning, and then I went to the gym afterwards, and it was just angry bench pressing. Um, let's rewind it, though, of uh, mm-hmm. painting a picture. So we both saw it Thursday. Yeah, um, you saw it twice on Thursday. Yeah, I, I, I got made fun of because I got a ticket early and early. So it, I got like the four o'clock showing or something four or five o'clock showing. And then my coworkers who wanted to see it opening night got like the nine showing. So I was like, Oh, I mean, the times work, which is how we ended up recording a podcast at one in the morning. Yeah. So I had seen it, um, twice, and I think I saw it three times or four, t- three or four times that weekend total. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was a, it was an interesting experience because the first time I saw it with nobody I knew, it was like some some couples that like one of them was like into Star Wars and the other one wasn't, so they didn't really care. Mm-hmm. They just like it was something to do on a Thursday, and it was such a different vibe for me as opposed to like we saw Force Awakens together like i was there the first time you saw it i might have seen it beforehand i think i saw it beforehand um but like awakens yeah no we saw it like six o'clock like opening day okay yeah yeah yeah. so we like that energy was a lot different and like i saw it with like two friends i saw last jeff last um jedi with two friends and Mm. i went out of that theater thinking like what happened huh (laughs) for for um rise of skywalker it was walking out of not out of the theater out of one theater into another um for me it was like a huh and then being like i really there was certain scenes i wanted to see over and over and over again mm-hmm. um which is the be with me stuff i was like obsessed yeah obsessed with the be with me and that's the thing that like had me yeah, really really jones and landed with me yeah yeah i, I think you might yeah. be the minority for that i you know if you say so um it wouldn't surprise me either way it just didn't it didn't land with me because again I've, I've said this before as well that you know i can think of analogous moments in other movies that really stir me but that one i just and i think it's just the everything around it i i I truly have learned that I hate. I hate so much. Um, so I let's well, let's talk about that moment because I think that is a good point of discussion, and it will lead me to sort of what I've you know. It, I my intention with watching that movie once a week was there's precedent for me seeing a movie in theaters and it kind of having a lukewarm reception with me. But then later seeing it, you know, in the comfort of my own home and uh, being more dear to it. I think particularly with big blockbusters and stuff, that's not necessarily true. With movies in general, the first time you're seeing a movie, 
you're kind of taking in what the movie does. You have no idea what's going to happen next. You know, even if you predict, you don't know. Well, you don't have time to reflect on it, too. Exactly. So you're like, and then the second time, like any subsequent time you watch a movie, whether you were disappointed in what it did or you loved what it did, the second time you watch a movie, you're able to kind of have a second level of appreciating or not how it did what it did. Uh huh. And so I, I think there's times where I've initially been let down by a movie, but then I watch it again and I'm like, well, I, that wasn't the decision I was hoping or the story beat I was hoping for, but they did do this, you know, as the thing with a lot of Jedi is it it does everything it does whether you know i think there's plenty of people out there who don't like where the story goes but i think overwhelmingly the way the story gets where it goes is is sound and it does a very good job of executing the decisions it makes but but last so with rise of skywalker i was hoping with repeated viewings that i would you know, as I would begin to feel more familiar with it, perhaps I would develop a fondness for it. Or, but um, the one of the big things I've really taken away from that, and I did stop watching it after six weeks, and thank goodness because I mean I'm not I I'm very likely not going back to work until September at this point. I cannot watch the movie anymore because um, it was so I, good. Yeah, sure. Well, the big takeaways I had after those six viewings. And I have to also say, after reading Joseph Campbell's Power of Myth, is just, and a little bit after Dave Filoni's point about connecting Phantom Menace to Return of the Jedi uh, and all that stuff, is that I think, to me, the whole final act of Rise of Skywalker really kind of flies in the face of everything that Star Wars sets up, under the tutelage of George Lucas, anyway. You know, you have, if we're... If you're taking it in release order, you know, you have Return of the Jedi where Luke makes the decision not to fight. Even though everyone that is evil and everyone that is good, they are all telling him, kill your father, fight, violence is the answer, conflict, continue the conflict. Uh, and he doesn't. And through not doing that, he's triumphant. Cut to episode three, you have, you know, the galaxy falling apart. And over the course of episode one, over the course of episode two, over the course of Clone Wars, we've seen Jedi who are supposed to be peacekeepers, supposed to be negotiators, not supposed to be combatants. We've seen them lower themselves to that level to the point where when Yoda and Obi-Wan are at the three-point line and there is a second left on the clock and everything hangs in the balance, all they can think to do is fight because that's they've lowered themselves to that level where it's, Combat, action, kill. That is the answer. And they do that, and they fail. So we, that's again, it's reiterating the same message of, you know, despite this being Star Wars, there's another path. You know, Obi-Wan and Yoda fail to see it, and they ultimately fail. Luke is able to see it, and he's, he's able to succeed, though you would argue everyone else around him is engaged in, in war. But uh -huh. And episode nine is just... No, kill. Kill, kill, kill. Kill Palpatine. Burn him up. And I I know that there's sort of some leeway there of, you know, she's deflecting his own lightning. So it's sort of defensive. But it really just feels like destroy. And uh, there's, you know, looking looking back on George Lucas' tutelage and... and things Dave Filoni has said in the course of that make of Mandalorian stuff, 
Uh, th there's a lot of really prominent Star Wars creative minds who, when they're making these stories, are really thinking, what am I saying? What's the message I'm putting out into the world? Because ultimately, that's what makes this important. You know, beyond the dollar value and beyond the toys and the t-shirts, what makes this something that can actually have any kind of importance in the world is the messages giving, primarily to young people. And I just think episode 9 really falls on its face with that. And I have to wonder if that was even a consideration. Um, and so the, the Be With Me scene, as nice as it is on, on paper, and as much as I love hearing Kanan's voice in there and, and stuff like that, it just really falls flat on its face with me because it, I don't know. It just feels like, all right, all the Jedi are united, and we are going to destroy. And destroy is not a very Jedi verb. I don't know. Well, I mean, did Rey go in to destroy Palpatine 100%? Um, I think of it, and I think that you're completely right in terms of not having a narrative that works and like a take home message. But as soon as you thought of, as soon as you said that I view it more. And the thing that made that so powerful for me is looking at it from a family perspective of mm -hmm. her finally being accepted by the Jedi, allowing herself to be thrown into that in her, you know, biggest moment of turmoil, her being this person that was literally bred to be an acolyte for Palpatine and is throwing that all away to try and go into this order that nobody is listening to her. Um, and she's been trying and trying and trying and trying. And I think the other thing that kind of made it so much more powerful for me, and, and I've talked about this on the pod multiple times, is how much I love the Jedi. So just having that mm -hmm. connection of, you know, nine movies in the making to uh, know each voice and be like, hear and see what they put on the line. You know, you said Kanan, having watched Rebels, knowing the fact that Kanan was a Padawan had to throw it all away so he didn't get killed, took on another Padawan when he didn't think that he had the experience or should be doing it. But for me, it's it wasn't like Ray was the conduit, but it was also tying in all it's it, it was honestly like a Thanos moment of, of Infinity War of tying in all these other movies together. But really, it was tying in f 40 years TV shows um, a lot of th a lot of things all into that moment that made it so powerful for me. Uh, mm -hmm. um, to your point about there not being um, like a defining message or a narrative of like the, what the takeaway that they want the audience. Um, I kind of think of it as the when I think of those lines of that I love from episode nine. It, it's be with me, and then it's the we're not alone. Um, that I don't that they, they don't do a great job of like bringing it home because Poe is interacting with his ex and she's the one that talks him back into it when we don't literally know anything about her and then he makes that you know pretty good speech on it um, and I feel yeah. that's that that for me was something that 
I think that episode, the sequel series, and you were saying this multiple times, is you want to know more, like, what's the composition of the Senate? What's the composition of the New Republic? Why are there no, like... Oh, hold on. I don't need to know the composition now. I'm not trying to get into taxation of trade routes here. But I did want to know what those things were. Right, 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 right. Um, like, any information on them. Just the broadest Wikipedia summary of what they are. Yeah, so like... Like, all I know about the Senate in the sequel trilogy, or whatever, the New Republic, all I know about the New Republic in the sequel trilogy is that it gets blown up. Yeah, because they take out, like, what is it, seven or nine planets, but that's not the whole, you know, government. That's not the whole military. How am I to know? They sure make it seem like it is. No, we're on the same page. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I agree, I agree. Well, so... Yeah. The... I think something we could also talk about is we and we're not really big on predictions because we don't listen to ourselves enough to actually keep track. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, episode nine, um, the scope of the the sequel series, the sequel trilogy, was just so much smaller than I wanted it to be. Um, mm. And I mean that's like the choice that they did with Luke. I think is like the defining moment which then shaped everything. Yeah. So it's like, I don't really know how much nine could have done with what eight ended up happening, but eight was di- dictated by seven, not even including him at any point. So um, I thought the universe would be a lot bigger because of, of if you like compare the three trilogies, I think it's the smallest of the three, which is weird because they jump around a lot. That's a good question. Is it actually the smallest, or does it feel like the smallest? And because I would argue episode nine is, to its own detriment, overwhelmingly the biggest. One of the other, you know, again, just going back to that final act, I mean, to me, you know, it's just infinity ships. At the end, at the end of that movie, you have infinity ships, infinity lightning, infinity sith ghosts in the arena just everything beyond number but it becomes it's just so much that it's nothing yeah like at a certain point it just becomes nothing it's just more blue gray which i think we're in we're kind of in the same area for that too of like in the return of the jedi you get scope right like the um you get the battle of endor up in space mm-hmm. like you can kind of see what's happening you can see um how large the scope is um they do a pretty good job on the on on the level for that but at a lot of times um you don't really understand the scope of what's happening or it's just too big th- to the point of being like absolutely worthless like you're right. saying with that I would argue, yeah because i would argue even you know to my mind, I think the battle at the beginning of episode three also does. I mean, it's it's overwhelming the amount of stuff that's going on. It's very shock and awe when the camera pans down and you have all the lights on Coruscant and above it all these spaceships and all these explosions. But it it just still feels more orderly. Well, it's it's, it's an individualized like, story set in a huge setting. And you're going to just two characters the entire time as they're trying to get from A to B. A couple things happen on this large scope. Whereas 
in episode nine, you know, these infinity ships, you know, they're cutting from all these different characters. They're cutting to like pilots that we don't even know. Like, you know, there's a game of Thrones pilot. There's Akbar. There's like Akbar's kid. There's, you know, enemy of the pod snap Wexley. Um, so it's just, it's a lot more, it's a lot more frantic. And, Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing is, I don't know if this is a we're too invested kind of situation of like the ghost is in episode nine. I want to see more ghost. Mm-hmm. You know, Tanta five, Tanta five, Tanta four, four. Tanta four is in it. You know, we see um, nine nub get like electrocuted. Is he dead? Um, we kind of want more and more content. But at a certain point, you have to rein it in 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 certain areas. Right, right. Um, let's talk about another huge issue that I have with this movie. Pete, are you familiar with Chekhov's gun? Um, why do you, why do you say stuff like that? I watch Star Trek. All right, so obviously I know Chekhov's gun. Uh. Okay. So, but our listeners not, might not. So let's let's go with <laughs> let's go with a brief explanation. And I am writing notes for the fans. Hashtag for the fans. Okay, sure. It check check gun is is a, an idea in writing that if there's a gun in Act One, it needs to go off in Act Three. You know, you don't introduce a gun into the story without that gun being fired. And I gotta really sit down here today and talk about Chekhov's Splash, which is the moment everyone's been talking about since December, and they're still talking about it, so this is still a timely thing to talk about. We have this big, profound moment. Ray saves Kylo Ren's life. Kylo Ren is killed. She brings back Ben Solo. He has a conversation with his father. He knows what he has to do. Defiantly flings his lightsaber into the ocean... We don't even see it hit the water. We don't even see a splash. No splash. You don't throw something into the water and they have no splash. That's what you're upset about? The splash? It's insane. Okay. It's insane. I can't. It's insane. Thoughts? Um, I just want to hide Game of Thrones from you with the coffee, the Starbucks coffee cups. <laughs> uh, similarly, another another uh, fun thought I had along the way. I like that pose, afraid of bones. Yeah, I. It's I, probably it's one of my top parts of the movie. Mm, bones. Ooh. Well, you were we were talking about this last week of there's certain stuff there's certain things looking at it and you're like, "Huh. I had never thought of it from that perspective." And the one that you said last week was when Poe says you guys and then the female stormtrooper stormtrooper's like, "Shut oh. is like, "Shut up." Shut up. Yeah. And I I feel like there's a lot of kind of nuances in that that when we when I first watched it, like we're kind of overshadowed by the larger storylines right like Mm -hmm. i whenever somebody was talking to me about the this movie would be like um ray palpatine then i have to talk about that 
or um, I watched it with like some con- conservative coworkers, and they were like, "Do they have to include that woman kissing her girlfriend?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, please stop talking to me." Um, <laughs> but it, it's it's cool to see, and you you see this in videos of like JJ spending way too much time on like a droid or a song. And it, it, it is nice to see them or the dagger or, Oh my God, the dagger. Don't get me started on the dagger. Um, Boy, there's, there's a moment in that Skywalker legacy documentary. Get out of here, squirrel. Uh, there's a moment in that Skywalker legacy documentary where he's looking at a bunch of daggers. And yeah. Clearly thought went into how the dagger looked. End of sentence. Another, another, just, I'm gonna make a, I'm just spewing off a list of things I've noticed since originally watching the film, but to me, once they leave for Paisanos. (laughs) Paisanos. For those listeners that are not from our area, Paisanos is just a pizza joint. Um, (laughs) Pretty good. uh, From when they leave there, and then I've gotten to the point where I've warmed up okay to all the stuff that happens at the second Death Star. So that swath of the movie, I'm good for. Um, right before they leave for Paisano's, there's this part where Ray is looking out into the jungle. And Poe comes up and he says, what are you looking at? And Ray, looking off in the distance, goes, nothing. But... She, she isn't. She is looking at nothing. Oh, like she's not looking at anything. That was. Um, I don't know if we ever talked about this. Don't tell me what the novel said. I don't care. Um, so according to the novel, pushing up my glasses, <laughs> um, Leia and Ray have a fight, and then Ray says, "I'll go even if I don't have your permission." Whereas in the movie, it seems like she doesn't. She gives affirmation. And is positive about it. Um, I think the script is supposed to make it seem like there was animosity and they didn't leave on the best of terms when the movie doesn't show that whatsoever of them having like controversy between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar big moment for me. I, I like how when they land the Burning Falcon after the mission in the cold open, they, Ray is falling after, and she's like, hey, did you, did you find the spy? And Chewie says something, and she goes, no spy? And then Poe goes, no, spy! Like, no, comma spy. He is just so proud of himself for that. He just is like, oh, I got her. Oh, you walked right into this one. Uh, no, comma, spy! And I'm so proud of him as well. well and he seems he's got big. And he walks with a little chest puff out. No spy. I'm like, they do it. they do they it definitely. Oscar. I'm proud of you. Too. They definitely play it as a sibling rivalry, um, in yeah. the movie, um, and I of like two brothers or, or you know two siblings trying to vie for the mm. attention of their mom, um, and that that's, that relationship. That's funny. I yeah. really I really really enjoyed. Um, Poe and Ray? Yeah, their their interactions. Yeah, I agree. I um, agree. I, re- I really enjoyed all their dialogue I, together. Two things I want to talk about. One is the snubs. Because, like, 
Ray, sorry, Finn Rose. I enjoyed like what they did. Um, they just didn't do anything. Um, yeah, I I think I do want to take a moment to talk about the Rose of it all. That's good. Um, <laughs> very very peeved that there was no Rose in that movie. Really enjoy her character. Would you say you were she thorned really by it? Felt... Sure, Pete. That will make you happy. Uh, I really just she felt the most like me or like a like a person in the our world kind of, and not in a way that took me out of it, but it just I don't know. She felt like sort of Han Solo-ish, sort of world where I mean she's allied herself with a cause. But her, I don't know, I love that character. And to have her sideline in that movie was, was really frustrating. And then they kind of are like, well, you don't understand. Rose is going to be the character in Carrie Fisher's footage. And a lot of that stuff didn't turn out as good as we thought. So we cut her back and yada, yada. But it's it frustrates me a little bit more even now because I really really think it's cool to support Star Wars and Lucasfilm and Disney have thrown behind John Boyega and his speech at uh, the Black Lives Matter protests in London and things like that. And I, it's fantastic. And I think the best thing the sequel trilogy has done is push Star Wars more towards better representation. But at the same time, it, it kind of infuriates me that Disney with one hand is trying to like it releases this international women's day i know i've talked about it so much but they do their you know look at all the women of star wars don't we do a good job with women and we're gonna do a better job of diversity but like with rose tico that narrative really plays out as last jedi came out everybody all all the little stuck up freaking old white boys complained about rose and you know what the next movie she's not in it and that is not great optics, and it doesn't feel right to me. It still makes me mad. I think they should kind of be ashamed. And I don't know. I just it 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 makes me really mad. It makes me very upset. I think they did a dirty thing there, and that they can hawk excuses, but it feels to me like they quelled to some fan outrage that came from a very nasty place. And I've, I know people that I, I respect, and I know that a lot of their social beliefs align with mine, and that they are not, you know, xenophobic or anything like that. And they still, you know, I know people like that who also don't like Rose, but I just, I don't know. It's, it leaves such a bad taste in my mouth. It really sucked. And take that. It's. You have excuses if you are not a Rose stan, right? Like they had to they had sure. to have somebody that is recognizable play off Carrie Fisher when the main cast was doing stuff. But like they could have made like they could have made the story sh- smaller. They could have, you know, killed off certain characters. They could have bunched people together. Like the the character of Rose like they had a lot of plot lines that they just disintegrate, like um, the romantic relationship with Finn, um, her like 
tech know-how, right? Like they don't even talk about it in the last Jedi, but her, the cloaking technology of how they get to, um, Oh my gosh. What, what's that planet? I'm forgetting. Um, no, the salt planet. Um, Oh, crate. Yeah. How, how they get to crate. That's her. Like that's, that's the, Mm. the, the book gives her full credit. Like that's why she was like, um, down, with a ship and her sister was on a crew was on a bomber because the sister was more um like aggressive than she was and even that like you know she is somebody that's very quiet she's fanboys over finn um and she is not the only character you know finn got completely destroyed poe was diminished a little bit um and it's not like you add a whole ton with kylo and ray they just had to make bolder choices to like eliminate characters or to do something that would actually include all of them right like i think what yeah i mean it just requires creativity and it's just they it felt like they decided their creativity was better spent elsewhere and again and i i'm thrilled that Lucasfilm and Disney came out in support of John Boyega and things saying I'm not, I'm not diminishing them for that I think that's that's fantastic but I think uh, they also they've done something that I feel like they haven't taken responsibility well, I just feel, for and like they made they made a decision I feel, to sideline I feel like a, a warranted criticism of the sequel trilogy could be the lack of imagination and the lack of creativity which is fine when there's a lot of nostalgia put into it. You know, like you and I enjoy a lot of the like nods to the prequels, nods to the original trilogy. But like, mm-hmm. I was just thinking about this. There is not a character in the sequel that is like outside of a human, like Snoke, but that's, that's it. Like there's not your Jar Jar. There's not like, some alien that does a ton of interacting. Um, it's mm-hmm. just, it's a, it's a human. St- well, I have Maz Kanata, but then same thing. Yeah. She gets, <laughs> she gets absolutely like, Oh, she's the next Yoda. And they just, it's all adjacent. It's not into the actual story. It's like, it's like a human oriented story in a mm-hmm. galaxy. That's supposed to be so much more diverse than just humans. Yeah, in which you know, to to be fair, I think you could accuse the prequel trilogy of that as well. In that you know, the main non-human character is Yoda, and we already know Yoda. Um, but I've I've thought the same thing of like, and it that it, it will ring hypocritical to my previous statements. But they're like, oh, it'd be cool to have like a a, a newer alien character in in a big spotlight. That being said. You know, it would also be cool to see more representation of, you know, humans that are not traditionally represented in big blockbuster movies. That said, you could do, you could do both. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That's my Rose tirade, and I did feel I had to say it. Um, don't remember where we were before I got off on it. Uh, if you don't have another discussion point on hand, I have one. Well, I, I have one final kind of discussion point so if we want to okay I have okay two. um so why don't you do yours the mine then end it out with yours okay i think another big thing and it here's something i think 
some subsects of the fandom were really outraged about initially. That didn't necessarily bug me. But there were a lot of people that were really upset that Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, dies. Um, and I, it didn't necessarily, uh, you know, I didn't necessarily have a problem with it. Um, but the more I think about it, and this will lead into my other point, the more I really, and I, you know, Adam Driver, not just because he plays the man's son, but he, he very much seems like the Harrison Ford of this cast. Yeah. In that he's probably the one that 40 years from now will be kind of grumbly and, and maybe, maybe not, maybe not. He seems like a very, you know, fun, chill guy. But he, he doesn't, he seems like the one, if I had to place odds, he seems like the one that would be least likely to return for an episode Interesting, 10, okay. Right? To my mind. Could be totally wrong. Um, but I think in killing him, you take an easy way out, and it's an easy way out that deprives future stories of coming to subject matter that I think is going to, in the not-too-distant future, be very relevant, which is a discussion of, as a society or as a culture, how willing are we to forgive, and what are we willing to forgive? Because I, I think right now, uh, we're all doing a really good job. We're all, you know, the culture at large seems to be doing a very good job of, of finally identifying these systemic evils and identifying people in positions of power who are abusing that power. And, uh, you know, finding our heroes that turn out to be villains and stuff like that. And I don't know what the answer is, but it seems like sometime within our lifetime, hopefully we will get some symbols of justice for those sorts of abuses. And at that point, I think that there's a discussion to be had about, you know, what are we willing to, to forgive? What is the path we are willing to offer forward, if any? I don't know the answer again. I'm just saying this seems like a discussion. I've been thinking about it a lot lately. That that will occur. Well, it's like, do, um, do people, what, like, in the real world, like, if you commit a crime... Does like we we as a society we have the death penalty in the U.S. But you don't give it to. I mean, I guess Kyle, you would give it to because he committed like mass genocide in the United States. Um, mm -hmm. So like he would be like death penalty number one. But that's not the go-to sentence, right? Like we put people into mm -hmm. prison as a society for the idea that they have to serve. And then they come back into the general populace. So that's not really what happens with the recidivism and stuff. But it's definitely a, a, a topic that is something that people would look to as a cultural moment from, you know, that that piece of Star Wars history. Another thing that I kind of to piggyback on to this, um, which is what my point was going to be, is the mental health aspect that kind of got papered over in the sequel of, you know, um, mm -hmm. Kylo is somebody that was, you know, um, emotionally distant, distanced um, mm -hmm. by choice of the mother and then the father, 
you know, being the equivalent of a traveling salesman, he was like thrown the boarding school or something with a kooky uncle who then turns on him and is getting these, you know, conflicting information. He betrays everything that he was grown up to defend. And yeah, but you could argue he was also betrayed by those same things. So yeah, it is, right. Yeah. Um, and you kind of just remove all of those things. Now, did they, do they not include Kylo in the Tatooine scene at the end to leave that door open or is it them saying that he has not accepted himself because mm. like it seems pretty clear that he's mm. on a same le- uh, similar level of the force to Luke and Leia when he is able to a do the connection with Ray and be part of that dyad B is able to having received it once no now knows how to do the life force um, transfer thing and has been shown to be able mm-hmm. to do you know a lot of different force powers um that'll be that's i mean that's something that'll be interesting to see is is it a snub of kylo or is it opening the f- opening for a potential for him to come i know a lot of Raylos out there are like they're gonna go to the world between worlds to find kylo and that's never gonna happen yeah yeah i don't know because and yeah, I I don't, like I said, I didn't necessarily have a problem with them killing off Ben Solo. I, th- I, I think I they needed to. Like I think they the needed idea. to. Yeah, I, oh, you yeah? just you, you don't kill your dad oh, I, and get away with that. That's, and and that's I have dad issues. Uh, you would be the guy <laughs> to say that. Right, I know, which is why you'd be the guy to say that. Um, and it, I, don't, I don't think that a, a movie should... You know, I don't think episode 9 should make decisions for episode 10. I think a movie should stand on its own, which is a big part of my issues with episode 9. But, you know, you talk, p- people a lot of times talk about Age of Ultron as being a movie that's just about setting up other movies, you know. And so to keep, to keep that character alive for the purpose of, oh, well, Josh has a really poorly worded, hesitant, hot take about what we could talk about with episode 10, so let's leave Ben Solo alive. You know, that's, that's not being true to the story um but i i do now kind of feel a a small sense of mourning for the story that could have been had that character been kept alive i'm you know having images of him being in jail but still being able to reach out with the force and have a positive influence on a future generation of jedi even though he's behind bars or Goofy, uh, silly nonsense like that. But I did eventually, through watching this movie over and over again, come to to be sad for okay, yeah the potential stories oh, for that, sure. that are kind yeah. of written off. And it does. Well, I mean, it really does get them out of a lot of hard questions, though. Also, because yeah, Kylo Ren's so cute, so hot. It'd be cool to see him kiss Ray, hubba hubba, those lips, but. On the other hand, I've actually seen him slay whole villages. He's, you know, commanding an army of child soldiers. And he, and he knows He's it, too. Bad he, yeah, he is aware right. of every step. Like, he he knows Starkiller Base yeah. is a thing. Like, and... Yeah. And so, to, to let him die in that way does also... And 
Vader, same thing, honestly, to a certain extent, though we are we are privy to more of Vader's evils, perhaps, than we are to Kylo's, because we see him do a few things, but there's so much more. I don't know. But he in in giving him that out, he does sort of get a hero's death and is never held accountable. And I I don't I don't envy the perspective writer somewhere out there in the multiverse who has to come up with the scene where Ray comes back to the resistance base with Kylo Ren. That's a hard scene to write. It's a lot to handle at the very end of your movie. I get that. It is just easier to kill him off. But in doing so, you do get out of some hard questions. Because, it, you know, at the beginning of Episode 7, Caddy Wampus is the galactic state seems to be there is very much a sense of oh the first order is sort of these the equivalent of like a real world nazi sympathizers who have maybe totally lost sight of what the nazis were have totally lost sight of what the empire is or something i mean now we know it's i don't know i guess the same thing whatever but we don't get a sense of consequence for those actions and I don't, and that doesn't mean Kylo Ren needs to be beheaded or sentenced to death or something. But we never get a sense of, yeah, we never get a sense of consequence. We never get, we never have to grapple with the fact that plenty of the stormtroopers that they're killing are child soldiers who were abducted at birth. Um, there's a lot of easy, easy answers to tough yeah, questions. Yeah, and I think, I think the other thing up. too is like, I don't, I think we're in the same agreement of. Ben Solo is one of the highlights of the movie, and Ben Solo only exists for like nine minutes of dial uh, of the movie. Um, it. I like Ben Solo. Oh, really? okay, okay, but to me, he barely exists. He well, I mean, I don't have a problem with him, but you really get nothing. I don't even think he says a word. Does he say? I don't even think he has a line of dialogue. Um. No. Yeah. He throws his lightsaber. We don't. See the splash. How that hurts. And then yeah. I... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, um. So Josh, what's your final point? And I think there's. So my final point would be just that whole previous point I, I I mentioned I stumble upon because as I continued watching episode nine, it uh I I did kind of finally settle on I just I don't like this movie. Um. There's stuff in it I enjoy, but I just I don't like the movie. But it gives me still hope and excitement for the inevitable episode ten. And so, in thinking about episode ten and what something like an episode ten could look like, you know, the idea of Kylo Ren having an answer for his crimes is one of the things that comes up. The potential that we get in Finn being force sensitive is something that makes me excited for the potential of an episode ten like that. Um, yeah, and so I guess my. That was one of my other big takeaways from my little sojourn watching episode six once a week or episode nine once a week for you know six weeks was I really it really did give me a sense of excitement and hope for episode ten and it it didn't it didn't um, make me be like oh the future of Star Wars is gonna suck it you know I do I do um, leave that movie feeling excited that someone else will come in and clean everything up for me. <laughs> so that's life. That's life, Josh. Um, well with that, hopefully we're putting 
the kibosh on quite. us talking about episode nine because for a, a bit. One of the other things we're going to do for Recaparama is the sequel trilogy as a whole. I think that'll probably be the last week in July. Oh. Where we that's, just talk about all, all of right, it. All right, so um, see you. See you episode nine stands Mm -hmm. at the end Mm -hmm. of the month. And with that, follow us on Twitter or don't. I'm not going to even give you our handle. You have to find it yourself. Man, whatever. Ugh.